Welcome to the Vets First podcast, a research-based conversation centered around the VA healthcare system, its services, and patients. From Iowa City, Iowa, here's your hosts, Dr. Levi Sowers and Brandon Ray. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Vets First podcast. My name is Brandon. With me is Levi Sowers. Hello. And today with us, we have Loretta Phillips, who is an Army veteran. She served from 1989 to 96 and is from Lancaster, South Carolina. Thank you for joining us, Loretta. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Loretta. I really appreciate you being here. I thank you for the honor. Loretta, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I'm from a town called Lancaster, South Carolina. In mm-hmm. between Columbia, South Carolina, and Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, very nice, very nice. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, so you grew up there. Uh, can you tell us uh, uh, what drew you to the service? How did you get involved with the military? <laughs> well, um, I've had, I took four years of ROTC when I was in high school. So I always knew I would join the Army. I just had to do it in my own time. Mm-hmm. So I graduated in 81, but didn't join until 89. Oh, nice. So you, what, like what, what led you to that? Why, why were you curious about the military? You, you said you did ROTC, but, um, you wouldn't believe it, but, um, (laughs) jobs were hard to find back then. And one of the jobs I had was working at a chicken plant called Holly Farms out of Monroe, North Carolina. And every day I went in there, I smelled that chicken, came out smelling like chicken. And I just couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. So that is what pushed me to go on and join the Army. Because like I said, I always knew I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But pushed me. Coming out and let's smell like chicken. Uh, what's that saying? It's, it's hard to figure out what you want to do, but it's really easy figuring out what you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us a little more. You joined the Army. What was your kind of experience early on? Uh, um, Just kind of. I took basic training at Fort Dix, New Jersey in February. And if you know anything about New Jersey, snow is all the way up to your knees. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was the coldest time I ever spent outside. I just kept falling asleep. And my drill would always tell us, if you get sleepy, go stand up at the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm a little hard-headed. I just kept falling asleep. So <laughs> he, made, <laughs> he made me stand up and hold my eyes like this. <laughs> and can you believe I still fell asleep? Uh, yeah. That's phenomenal. So, so what, mm-hmm. after you got out of boot camp, where were you stationed? I was stationed at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. My first dual state, duty station was at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Uh-huh. And my MOS was 88 Mike, was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I learned an awful lot about grease fittings, um, maintenance on my vehicle, and I won a couple of awards also. Oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know, I was gonna make a comment on how the snow might be a little nicer there. <laughs> <laughs> so so did you, uh, what, what, what rank did you achieve while you were in the military? Well, I made uh, E5 in less than three years. Wow, nice. And I, I served seven years. So by the time I got left Fort Leonard Wood, I went to Germany. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got promoted in Germany. And from Germany, I love Germany. Driving on that Autobahn, I love it. I got to travel, go to different places. And uh, 
the most fun I had was convoying. Mm-hmm. Doing the work hours. The most fun doing the work hours was convoying. Yeah. And there was so, just one. I'm oh, sorry, I, keep going. My apologies. I was saying there was just one convoy I went on and I kept telling them, don't leave me. My truck would only go 58 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> the trucks in front of the truck in front of me, we got stopped at a stoplight and I missed the light. I had to stop. So they just kept going. So I'm riding around trying to find the the uh, place where we were supposed to meet up, it was in Hohensfeld, Germany. I was stationed in Mannheim, but the place we was going to was in Hohensfeld, uh-huh. a fueling point. And um, I ended up, I don't know how I made it, by the grace of God, I made it to Hohensfeld before they got there. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Sitting there waiting. <laughs> on the way back, I said the same thing. Don't leave me. But we got stuck in this little town and they left me. And if it wasn't for the German, this German guy was trying to help me uh, get back to the Autobahn. He finally, we couldn't understand each other, but he finally pointed it out on the map and I was able to figure it out. And then you made it back a to, second time? I made it back to the company before they did. Had to sit <laughs> <that way. laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loretta, so. Tell us a little bit about your vision. Uh, when did you first starting noticing differences? Like anything you want to share? Like uh, how did your vision related stuff kind of come about? Well, um, it was gradual. I, it's, I had gestational diabetes when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was in Germany when I, when I got pregnant and came back to the States and had my daughter and had gestational diabetes. And um, after I had my baby, end up getting out, everything they say was fine. I wasn't diabetic or anything, but four months after I got out, I was at work one night and my vision, I couldn't see anything. I was just mumbling through everything. I couldn't read, I couldn't see where I was going. And I ended up leaving and, and going to the VA hospital in Columbia, South Carolina. And they're the ones who diagnosed me with full blown diabetes. Hmm. But no beginning, end, it was just full blown. So did so it that, come so did it come on pretty quick then? Is what you It did. It yeah. did. Yeah. After yeah. having gestational diabetes, your chances of having diabetes is very high. Mm-hmm. So, so did you like what can I ask what it was like that first time you had problems with your vision? Like was it, it disorienting? Like what like can you describe it, that a little bit? It was very scary because I couldn't see where I was going and I was at work. And if you know, I worked in a warehouse and I was uh, riding on a pallet jack mm-hmm. and I couldn't really see where I was going. I actually, I actually had to ask the manager, you know, where I was and what was I, what, you know, what am, what am I reading? What is this? So that told me then I had to go get some help. So I got off work. Uh, it may have gone down because the next day I was able to drive to the VA hospital in Columbia mm-hmm. and that's where I was diagnosed with diabetes full blown. So was it like uh, a blurry vision or was it just like darkness or can you describe that a little bit? It was blurry. 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 And did it fluctuate a little bit? Like you said, you were able to drive the next day. So it got clearer. It cleared up, but I didn't realize what I was doing to myself 
you know, I would eat anything I wanted to eat, but I didn't realize that was what was causing the blurriness and the um, thirst. You have a lot of thirst and a lot of blurriness mm -hmm. in the beginning. And um, I didn't realize that's what was causing it. But um, later on, to skip forward a little bit, I was in South Carolina right before I moved to Georgia. I was seeing this uh, eye doctor in my um, in, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is where I raised my daughter. Mm -hmm. I was seeing my doctor. He did tests on my eyes, and he told me. He told me. He said that um, um, you see something. You see something. He saw something in my eyes, and he said, "If I don't, if you don't get this blood sugar under control, then you're gonna end up losing your sight." Because mm -hmm. he saw something in my eyes when he took the pictures of my eyes. He said that if there was blood in my eyes and he told me if the, if, the, if the blood touched the retina, I would not be able to see. I would lose my sight. Uh -huh. hmm. But to back up a little bit, when I got, after I found out um, diabetes, I had diabetes from the VA, I was seeing a civilian doctor at the same time. He's the one who actually put me on the medication. Mm. Uh-huh. Because the, uh, I never heard from the VA again. The VA told, they told me at the uh, emergency room that uh, doctor would be getting in touch with me to, you know, schedule appointments for my diabetes, but I never heard from them. So you I know, ended up... Hmm? I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. It's okay. I ended up going to a civilian doctor. And the one thing that I tell people is, and never say, I did not know this could happen. Because he literally sat down in front of me and he said, Ms. Coleman, I was a Coleman at the time, mm -hmm. you, can use, you can lose your sight, you can uh, um, lose your kidney, you can lose a limb, and you can die. Those are all the effects of diabetes. So I could never sit down and say honestly that I did not know. So I'm known from day one. Now, knowing and caring are two different things. Yeah. I suffered from a lot of, I suffered from deep depression. Yeah. Back then. So I didn't have it in me to care whether I live or die. But when I did start caring, that's when the damage was already done. My A1C was at a 15 Whew. and I had to get it down. That was like my dad. Um, he had uncontrolled mm -hmm. diabetes for a long time and mm -hmm. um, a young medical student He'd been to the doctor so many times for all these problems that he was having, and they mm -hmm. never thought to check his blood sugar. And finally, this medical student checked it, and mm -hmm. his A1C was over 15, which is mm -hmm. super, super high. And uh, mm -hmm. that means you've been carrying like a 500 blood sugar around, mm -hmm. and it's, it's that's really bad for you. You're basically like cooking your nerves in your mm -hmm. body at that point. Uh, and, and you know, to some extent, you're the the the, the retina in your eyes, just a bunch of nerves, sensory nerves, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're literally like cooking them. That's kind of how I describe it. it. That's interesting to hear your story like that. Mm -hmm. So if, if I may ask, um, so you were saying you, uh, you were suffering from uh, depression and it sounds like you, uh, you've been able to work with that. Can you describe that a little bit more? Like how, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I do suffer from depression, and, and I also, I didn't realize I suffered from PTSD at that time also when I got out. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel any of that. I just knew that uh, it was hard for me to function each day. It was a struggle. Yeah. 
And um, most people don't believe this, but I had my daughter. She was a baby. When I woke up, she was a teenager. That's how bad my depression was. Yeah, it was like a fog for a long time. Yes. So all that had an effect on my diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, that A1C was at 15. It was so bad that uh, my civilian doctor tried to set up an appointment with the nephrologist for me. They wouldn't even see me. Oh, geez. They could not get, they would not do an appointment with me because they, I guess they felt like I was going to die anyway. So what made you change? If I can ask you that. I, what what did I, (laughs) I lost my job in 2012 Uh and um, lost my job my house and my car. By 2014, I was homeless and I came to Georgia. And the first place I went was Fort McPherson. And I saw the doctors over there because I was in the homeless program. And um, they put me on medicine. I saw this um, retinal specialist because one day I was standing out at Fort McPherson, the sun was shining so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And one of the house managers, because I lived in a transition house at the time, one of the house managers called me and told me some news that had me upset. I got so upset, my blood pressure must have shot up very high because I was standing outside on the sidewalk and I saw blood in both my eyes. Mm. I could see the blood, but if you're looking at me, you can't see it. Yeah. And I saw blood in both my eyes and I was standing out there just praying, Lord, please don't take my sight. So. Even though I don't have much sight today, I'm very, very grateful he did not take out my sight. Mm-hmm. So my daughter, he didn't give me, I, he gave me what I asked for. I didn't say, Lord, make my sight 2020. I said, don't take my sight. So he didn't take it. Yeah. But anyway, after that, I had numerous surgeries and was on all kinds of pain medicine. Uh-huh. My eyes were bleeding a lot, but unbeknownst to me, the pain medicine I was on was actually causing the bleeding. And the doctor didn't know it. I didn't know it. So only thing they were saying, Miss Coleman, let me, we're, we're going to do laser surgery. So I'm like, okay, yes, you can do it as long as it stops the bleeding. So I let them do numerous laser surgeries on my eyes. So now I can barely see out of my right eye. Out of my left eye, I can't see at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, diabetes, it, it, it just... Damage does a lot of damage. Both my eyes detached. I've had to have them real, have them reattached. So they did something that they put a balloon with some oil in my eye, mm-hmm. both, of them, and it made the eyes reattached. So now I can see a little bit out of the right eye, and the balloon is gone out of that one. But the balloon is still in the left eye uh-huh. because scar tissue. I was told that. It wouldn't do any good to take the balloon out. It wouldn't make a difference. So I left it in. So Loretta was, so you, I know you said you went initially to a civilian doctor. Has all your medical care been through the civilian sector? Is that any of it been through the VA still? Sent through the VA uh, since 2014, it was constantly. But right. um, I called uh, Fort Jackson and they said they don't, they, earliest records they have of me is 2005. Hmm. Having, that's, having yeah, vision that's, problems? Having vision problems then. <clears throat> I started having vision problems and well, I don't think 2005, four or five, I had just started working again. 
Mm-hmm. So that's why I was going to the VA. I wasn't working to do my medical treatments. Yeah. So, so, so how do you, you know, how do you feel the VA has been with vision treatment um, since 2014? I can only speak for myself. My doctor has been wonderful. Yeah. I know he, he, he was kind of concerned because um, I didn't have any family members coming in to help me at, 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 time, at the time I started seeing him. He was very concerned about that. But I told him I was okay. You know, I can I can do this because, like I said, I can't get mad at nobody because I've known since day one. Uh-huh. I can't get mad, upset about anything in reference to my eyes because I've known from day one. And like I used to tell my daughter, all your actions have consequences, and these are the consequences of mine. Mm-hmm. So, could you talk a little bit about what that transition from being, you know, to having good vision to not so good vision to having very low vision? Um, what was that like for you and, and how did you navigate that? Um, when I found out, as I, like I said, I, st- I kept having the bleeding in my eyes. So I was running back and forth to the doctor about every day, just about for different mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was so sick. I didn't have, I had so many issues when I moved to Georgia. I didn't realize that. So I had a whole page of appointments every week. I mean, I'm sorry, every month I had a whole page of appointments and and gradually, I could see the difference in my eyes as the vision started going away. It started by me not being able to see faces. Mm-hmm. And it was it was scary, very scary, because I didn't know how I would live, what I would what I would be like, or what it would be like to not to be able to see. I gave my phone away, I gave my computer away. I didn't know I would be able to use them. Mm-hmm. My last surgery. Um, my doctor told me, and he's a wonderful doctor from Emory University, works at the VA also. And he told me that um, he referred me, not told me, he referred me to a place called the Blind Rehab Center. Yeah. It's called the Southeastern Conference for the Blind, for the, I mean, I'm for the visually impaired mm-hmm. in Birmingham, Alabama. And that's where I went to uh, learn how to survive and to live with blindness. Because I, I, I was all shut up in the house. I wouldn't go nowhere. I was afraid to leave the house and let alone be out after dark. Mm-hmm. I was afraid. It's, it's a very scary feeling. Yeah. So was that, is, that part of the, is that part of the VA, that blind rehab center? Yes, it is. Yeah. You go down there. Now it's a three-week visit that you go down and you do the training. They do orientation and mobility with you. They do communications. That's the telephone, the computers, and anything that's computerized. They work with you on that. And um, they do uh, activities of daily living. That's to show you how to go in the kitchen and use the stove without burning yourself. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, my stove is gas and theirs is electric. electric. <laughs> <laughs> a little, uh, but, little easier when there's not open flame versus last uh, <laughs> Loretta, so are you are you a member of the uh, Blind Veterans Association? Yes, sir, I am. How did you yeah. meet them or how did that come to be? At the Blind Rehab Center. Okay. I met, I met uh, at the time regional president. His mm-hmm. name was bless his soul he's passed now but he's the one who got me into it 
And uh, this was in 2015, I met him. Mm -hmm. I met my husband there too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I met him first and he talked to me about the Blinded Veterans Association and he encouraged me to become a member. So he, he got me on one of our monthly in, monthly in conference call. He bamboozled me and <laughs> don't be in the secretary. Twenty <laughs> seventeen. That was the chapter secretary, Atlanta chapter. You know, Loretta, I'm I'm getting married here. I'm getting married here soon, and I'm uh, I'm I'm, no, I'm having some reflection on uh, things that I've gotten looped into. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear can't. your little, I hear your little dog. I think it's a little dog. Yeah. Well, y'all come get the dog, please. No, 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 no. no. I, I, I think it's great. I have two German Shepherds at home and they regularly interrupt my interviews. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's quite endearing and wonderful. Yeah, I have a little corgi and he, uh, he sounds the alarm at any, any noise. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say, I say with the smirk or quotes, great, depending on the hour of the day. <laughs> She's a, a chihuahua and pug mix. Nice. Oh, nice. So how um, how able are you to get around now? Um, and and, and what, what was that like? So, you know, you were really scared and you, you went to blind rehab, you come out. Is it, did you feel freed a little bit by that or? How? When I got to blind rehab, of yeah. course, you know, you've never been somewhere, been in a place and you're afraid, you don't know what to expect. When I got there, they were wonderful. My instructors mm -hmm. were wonderful. And they, they, they treat you like you're part of their family. Hmm. So I'm, I got, I had a chance to meet uh, different people. Like I said, I met my husband there. I got a chance to meet other people there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, they taught me all kinds of things. The orientation and mobility, I think was very important because it taught me how to go outside by myself mm -hmm. and walk up and down the sidewalk. We walked through neighborhoods. We went to bookstores. We went to the mall. We we caught the buses. They teach you all of that in mobility. And um, once I came from the blind rehab center, you couldn't tell me I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Because <laughs> That's fantastic. <yeah. laughs> the first thing they stress is is that um, you can still do what you did before. You just have to do it a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm able to use my computer. I'm, I stay on my phone mm -hmm. and I have other devices that they've given me also that I love to use. So, that's, that's awesome. Loretta, is there, so I'm just thinking other veterans uh, like you that have uh, experienced visual loss uh, and you were able to come to the Blind Rehab Center if any veteran is listening to this episode and uh, is looking to get connected with something like that, do you have any suggestions from your experiences? Um, contact your low vision VIST coordinator. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this means, but they're a low vision department and either their retinal specialist or the VIST coordinator can refer them to um, the blind, one of the blind rehab centers. And I believe last I checked, we had... Um, 13 of them. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but it, I think we had at least 13 around the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, well, go ahead. I was going to say, let me tell you this since he bamboozled me into becoming the secretary, 
Um, oh, did Tom, Tom did this to you? No, her husband. Oh, your husband? No, no, no. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse Jones, the first one. Okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, as of April the 30th, I was voted in as the Atlanta chapter president. Oh, oh, very congratulations. Nice. That's cool. <laughs> at, least, at least you're being bamboozled upward, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so what is it like? What has it been like to to connect with other uh, veterans with low vision? I believe it's been wonderful because when I left South Carolina, my vision—I was losing my vision, but I didn't realize I was losing my vision. But when mm -hmm. I got to Georgia, I was at the hospital so much that I ran into so many veterans. Uh -huh. And when I went to, they told me exactly what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, and that's what I did. So when I went to the blind rehab center, it was a relief to know that there are other people out there like me who have lost their vision. Not to say that I'm glad they were there, but I'm mm -hmm. saying that it, it makes a difference when you have that camaraderie with someone and they know sure. what they understand how you feel. Now, I've run into several veterans since I've been out of the blind rehab centers that haven't had a chance to go. And the first thing I tell them is contact your vest. Uh -huh. Contact your retinal specialist. They're the ones who do the referrals. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good piece of advice. You know, another question that I think is an important question to ask for, for someone like you is that when, when you lost your vision, you managed to find where you needed to go to do it. What aspects of that are also mental? So, you know, you have the physical aspects of learning how to navigate things, but like coming to grips with the fact that you lost your vision. Can you, could, could you like talk about that a little bit if you're, if you're willing? It really wasn't that hard for me because okay. when I started losing my vision, I immediately accepted it. And that's the key factor right there is you have to accept it and be willing to make the changes that it's going to take. Uh -huh. It's not easy once you once you lose your vision. It's not easy. Yeah. Mentally, for me, I would say I was fine. Well, I would say I was fine, but every once in a while I'll struggle. Like yeah. if, if if I need to do something and I can't get anybody to help me, then I feel bad. Yeah. Or if I do want to go somewhere, I just get up and go. They have a transportation system here called Marta. And I'm on the paratransit van. So all I do is call them, give them the address of what, where I want to go and what time to pick me up. And they do that. They pick me up and bring me back home. That's Take cool. me, pick me up and bring me home. Yeah. But veterans don't know about it or they're not sure how to um, get involved with it. Yeah. I don't remember who told me about it. But all I know is I'm very grateful for them. Is that something that's local to you or is that a, a nationwide thing? Local transportation, the transportation system here in Georgia. Oh, I see. Okay. Mobility. But if I wanted to ride the train or the big bus, I can do that also. Interesting. So I have, I have a couple other interesting questions. I, I'm really curious to know. You're now involved with the Blinded Veterans Association and you've, you've been through the VA system it's quite a bit really for your, for your vision. What, what role do you think research plays 
in this. And, you know, VA does a lot of research in, in blind veterans, mm -hmm. blind veterans and vision loss. And, you know, we're part of the Center for the Prevention and Treatment of Visual Loss here in Iowa. You know, what, what role do you think research plays in, uh, do you think it's important? I believe it's very important. Yeah. Um, we have, um, like the devices that we have, there's yeah. something, have you ever heard of something called an OraCam? No. No. Okay, it's a little camera that goes on your glasses. It's about as long as my pointer finger. Uh-huh. And it sits on the glasses. Mm -hmm. And um, every so often, it's upgraded. Like when I first got one, it had wires on it. Uh-huh. Now, the one I have now is completely wireless. So for people to go in and develop something like that, and, and how do you say... Um, try it out, experiment with people. I know that yeah. takes a, that take a lot of research, and I appreciate yeah. that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe research is very important. Now, in your biz, in your business, are you researching the 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 eyes? For us, I don't study diabetic retinopathy in particular. Oh. Um, we study photophobia uh, in in my lab. Uh, which is which is you know sensitivity to light. Um, mm -hmm. we, we do have several people here who work on that sort of thing, and we're actually going to be interviewing Dr. Randy Carden, um, who's a neuro ophthalmologist here who works with patients who have diabetic retinopathy. And but then we have, a, but like with our vision center here, we have uh, many researchers who kind of cover the uh, a wide range of topics. Like we have people here that are researching uh, glaucoma. We have. Uh, People here researching TBI, TBI-induced headache, um, kind of the whole spread. Yeah, okay. pretty much okay. us trying to do our part uh, in the ways that we can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm just always curious to hear like what veterans think of research in the VA and, and yeah. what that, what that role may or may not mean to their lives. I think it's important for researchers to understand that. And we're trying to do a better job of communicating research, hence uh, uh, Levi and I awkwardly getting on a podcast and pretending like we know what we're doing. Yeah, okay. yeah we just, we're just, as Brandon likes to say, we're just failing up, upward, Loretta. <laughs> well, I was, I was um, online looking at diabetic retinopathy, and yes. I didn't realize that um, if you had diabetes 20 years or more, your chance of losing your sight, the risk is higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you so, know, one, one thing we like to do for these episodes is on the front end, we look up a bunch of information about mm -hmm. uh, said topic, and uh, we'll be including some of that. So if you have any information you want to send us, um, that'd be really, that'd be really helpful mm -hmm. uh, in any way. Mm -hmm. okay. So, Loretta, the last question I really like to ask people um, is, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, you're you're a pretty interesting human being. You've gone through a lot. You've come out the other side, and I'm I'm really curious to know what you do for uh, uh, for, for fun. Okay, that's that's easy. Um, <laughs> as you know, I'm a member of the Blinded Veterans Association. Mm -hmm, yeah, they have these outings that are um, people have grants for. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the last one I went to. I went to Crested Butte, Colorado, mm. and I. I went on this uh, adaptive sports event, uh -huh. and uh, we went. We did uh, rope climbing, climbing, rope climbing, three different levels of rope climbing. That's cool. We did uh, uh, what is that when you jump jump off the thing? Something I always wanted to do. 
Zip line. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. We're zip lining. I've never been zip lining. No, neither have I. I thought for, <laughs> I I thought for a second you were going to say bungee jumping or parachuting, and I was about to oh, bow no. out. <laughs> I was going to bow out on both of those. <laughs> parachuting, I would love to do. Um, I find some, some group that's going to that does that. Parachuting, I would love to jump out of a plane. No, I'm sure I'd love it after I get out of the plane, but you know, that first step off might be a little hard. <laughs> push me off. Like, I, got like, no, I got no choice but to love it. I'm already out. <laughs> like when we when we went ziplining, I didn't know we really had to climb that tree. Mm-hmm. Get up that high. Excuse me. I didn't know that, but uh my legs are so weak that um they literally have to force me up there, force me to the top. So I got up there and my instructor said, oh, you can jump now. I'm like, oh no. I sat down, put it off and just started screaming. <laughs> and so <laughs> the next adventure we had was a walking tour through the town of, of, of Crestle Butte. It's a small town, but you can, you can really walk it. Mm-hmm. And we went shopping. And the next event was gonna be bike, not bike ride. What is it? What are those bikes called? The two pit person bikes? Oh, oh tandem, uh, bikes. tandem bikes. Tandem bikes. Yes, we were yeah. doing tandem bikes. And the we last, we interviewed a veteran who had a TBI related vision loss, and he goes on tandem bikes all the time. Yeah, he was talking He's about big, oh. t- tandem bike riding on gravel roads. He loves it. Oh, I don't blame him. I've been wanting to try that, but, um, but I'm waiting on the person here in Georgia to uh, send out the emails, letting letting us know that, you know, we can sign up for Tandem Bikes again. Mm-hmm. If it stopped with COVID. And the last adventure was paddleboarding, kayaking, or um, paddle, I said paddleboarding, did the kayaking mm-hmm. or paddleboarding. That was the last adventure for that week. Oh, but that- the first trip I went on, I went kayaking and can't swim a leg. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. so good, motiva- good motivation to stay in the kayak. Yeah. No, but uh, the wind started blowing. We were going on a two-hour ride, and uh, the wind started blowing. And next thing I know, I'm holding my arms out in front of me, trying to stop myself from going in the water. And um, everybody kept saying, only thing they heard me yell was, Buddha, Bahamut, or whatever. I saw his book online. Only thing I did was yell Jesus, and that was it. Told <laughs> me I fell in uh, 60 feet of water, but they really told me the water was really 300 feet. Don't if I had known that, I probably would have panicked. Uh, Way I did. Good thing they played it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds, like that, it sounds like you like to be outside. I do. And on that trip, I also got to go swim with the dolphins. Oh, oh that'd be cool. Yeah. The the, the um, Blinded Veterans Association, we have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of things that they sponsor. Like we just had our, our state convention here in Atlanta on April the 8th and 9th. And that was fun. That's where everybody across the state come up, meet up, and we have classes on different products that's being offered through the VA now. And we'll have different speakers come in. Maybe you guys can come and speak sometime. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to come speak. Mm-hmm. We we gave a little bit of a talk or a short talk last year to the the national meeting, the national oh. meeting on Zoom. 
Oh, yes. That's coming up in August. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be in D.C. Yeah, I forget how we actually got connected with Tom. Was it through mm-hmm. Randy? I think, I think it was through Randy. Tom and Randy know each other. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and Tom's been, Tom's been great uh, uh, to interact with the, yeah. but no, it's, I don't know. I feel like COVID's put everything into like a blur uh, in terms of time frame, remembering stuff. And things are slowly opening back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. The only thing I- that good from the podcast perspective is that it really broadened our horizons with interviewing people like you who's in Georgia right now. And we're having a great discussion about, yeah, you know, with yeah. And- we got familiar with zoom thanks to COVID, uh, cause you know, out of necessity and it's, it's really handy. Uh, gotta say. I think a lot of people did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whether they liked it or not. Well, Loretta, I really want to thank you for coming on our episode today. It's been a treat to talk to you and, you know, we we're really thankful that you were able to join us and, and, uh, you know, we look forward to maybe having another discussion with you at some other point. It'd be great. Well, I hope this um, podcast, this broadcast is able to help someone, especially absolutely, yeah. not veterans, but especially the blind veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To help somebody. Yeah, this whole season, this whole season is going to be on uh, vision related issues and veterans. And so, um, you know, we, it, we're excited about it. <laughs> Well, thank you all for inviting me. I appreciate it, and I'm honored. Well, thank you very much, Loretta. Thanks, Loretta. We'll see you later. You're welcome. Have a blessed day. You too. This concludes today's Vets First podcast. For questions or comments relating to the program, please direct email correspondence to vetsfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.